beach wasteland. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. It seems every year on the camp, someone loses their head. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer. Fun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with the perspective we've gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris. I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week, I'm joined by the Superfly Space Guy, Mac. Massive drugs. The gore lover, Alexis. I like movies with real good acting, like Gone with the Wind or Care Bears. The Carol the Creeper, Ryan. I've never chopped wood, but I've chopped other things. And the Scream Queen, Paris. I like movies that make America look great. This week, we're celebrating summer by checking out the third entry in a campy franchise. Before we get down to business, though, we have some follow-up. Let's follow up on a movie. We're actually going to follow up on the fifth entry of a different campy franchise. And that's Friday the 13th, A New Beginning. We recently reviewed this film, and as always, we wanted to hear what our listeners thought. And the results are in. 64% gave it a hack, and 36% gave this a slash. I don't understand why it's so hated, but that's fine. I know. This was really surprising to me to see that kind of result. Well, we have some comments from our listeners. Nathan on Discord said, I think there will be more slashes for the next Friday the 13th. Once first-time watchers see that part six has borderline scream levels of self-awareness. I'm so not excited for a sixth entry. (laughs) Really? They only get better. As soon as he goes to all the different cities, it's Um, it's amazing. Whoa. Hold on. Hold on. Let's just be clear here. It gets better for one, and then it gets bad, and then it gets better, then it gets mediocre, then it gets great with Freddy versus Jason, and then we've just kind of stumbled our way into nothingness. And then we have the 2023 to look forward to. Jason does Dallas. Or is that a is that a different the movie? Porn star? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't with you. We have another comment from Rob on Discord who had this to say. Friday the 13th had a weird relationship with Paramount. The studio was embarrassed by the franchise, but the movies made so much money. So they kept trying to end it and then they would bring it back. I love the Friday the 13th franchise, but this movie is a hack. It's just not good and it's completely random. 50s greaser characters? Has he seen Sleepaway Camp 3 yet, is the question. <laughs> we'll find out. And finally, we have a comment from Darren, one of our patrons, who said, This gets a slash from me. It's not one of my favorites in the franchise, but I do find the bizarre cast of characters pretty entertaining. And they did at least try to change things up a bit. I don't know that I've ever been excited by the sentence, bizarre cast of characters. I feel like that's like the thing that taps me out, you know? That is very fair. But I'll be honest, after hearing scream levels of self-awareness, I'm not not excited for the sixth one. And that's our follow-up. While that Friday the 13th film largely pulled us away from the summer camp setting, this week's film drops us right back into it. Now, when last we saw this franchise, we watched the sequel, and Paris, very early on into your reign on the show, you stunned us all with a dramatic wardrobe change and a musical rating, slashing the film that introduced us to a grown-up camper continuing her bloody massacre. That sequel had garnered so much excitement during its production, its producer announced there would be a third film made. So when production teams set to work writing the script as the previous movie was being filmed, they actually ended up, after one weekend of pre-production, filming the third film at the very same YMCA youth camp used in the second film. This week, we're talking about Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland from 1989. Who's seen this one before? I am sad to say that I have seen this before because Paris's excitement got me 
excited to watch the whole franchise. And it wasn't long ago that I watched this. <laughs> well, I, of course, have not seen this movie. Alexis, you should have known that was a trap. It, I, it was very trapped. I have seen this movie before when I watched... That second one for that episode, I'd watch the original to like get the backstory, loved it, watched the second one, loved it, and was like, well, let's finish this. There's only three movies. So then I watched the third one, but I haven't watched it a single time since then. I have not seen this third one, but when we were gearing up to watch it, I had to question myself, like, have I seen the second one or was I out that episode? So I had to like bring up just like a picture from the second installment just to remind myself, oh my gosh, I have actually seen it. And I do remember it. And yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm quite, I'm kind of surprised that I actually remember some of what happened in that movie. Yeah. Previously on Sleepaway Camp. And, and I think you even get a taste of that in this movie. Alexis, I too fell for the trap less because of Paris's rating and more so I think just because of like the spirit of things. I watched the third film and I'm trying to remember if I watched it before recording that episode on the second one. I wonder if that like colored my perspective at all or if I held off until after. But I remember obviously having seen this for the first time in the last couple of years, expecting this to be more of the same from the second one. I expected this to be high levels of camp, uh, really exaggerated one-liners from our main character. And I remember thinking, okay, if if the second one feels like this, this has to be more of the same. But what were you all expecting? Yeah, in all honesty, I was expecting to hate this because I didn't like Sleepaway Camp too. So I didn't go in with very high hopes. I remember my feelings from watching it the first time, so I expected for it to leave the same taste in my mouth. My expectations were not very high because I remembered the second film and then thought like, oh gosh, this can't be any better because it's the sequel to that. Um, but I, I, I think I caught somewhere that a description of this movie mentioned camp, not like being at a camp, but how campy it was and that it was like on purpose. And I don't know. I just really expected it to be so cheesy that I would be laughing at the fact that the movie was made and not laughing with it. Being a fan of this franchise, I distinctly remember this third movie being the absolute worst of the three, but I didn't remember specifically why. And rewatching it again, I was like, oh yeah, that's why. And that reason comes from a lot of the feelings that I have while watching this movie. It attempts to tackle some subjects that hadn't really been part of the, the series up to this point. And it's like, what if we did the same thing as the second movie, but with this twist, almost like a season 35 of Survivor where they're like, it's children versus their parents or something like that. It felt kind of like a random like grab at something. I still got a lot of the same feelings that I liked from Sleepaway Camp 2. So there was like a real mixed bag for my feels here. I don't know if I'd say mixed bag for me, but I laughed where I was supposed to laugh. And I cringed at probably the places they didn't care if I cringed or not. But I definitely cringed and... I guess this movie was so hard for me to watch. At a certain point, I was relaxing, watching this movie, and I had to turn it off. Then I forgot I had to finish it. Had to fucking rent it again. It was very choppy. It was mostly like a yikes. Okay, closing the computer. Let me just go do something else really quick. Well, I, I watched it all in one go. With ads, of course, because I watched it for free. I didn't, oh, that's got to suck. Yeah, I didn't I didn't pay to rent this. Um, better than paying twice, Alexis. <laughs> I know. I paid $6. I told Ryan. I was like, man. So one of the things I was looking forward to is when I saw the runtime. The runtime is relatively short. Ads, of course, kind of ruined that a little bit. I didn't get like so many that it was incredibly excessive, but I think one ad is too many ads. So I was expecting a little bit extra time. But when watching this, 
that hour and 20-ish minutes, what was it actually, like an hour 15? It felt really long watching the movie. I didn't spend a lot of time laughing with it. I didn't find I didn't find that there was like a ton of great jokes. I just mostly found that it was kind of ridiculous to to watch. And, and so I kind of ended up laughing at their attempts to land anything. I think you have a great point, Mac. I didn't find myself laughing because the movie wanted me to laugh. And to be fair, I don't really feel like I found myself laughing at all because honestly, some of the things that are in this movie are so annoying that they're not even like funny. It's not even like a laugh at it kind of thing, I think. I'm not surprised by any of that because it's kind of exactly what I expected. And I didn't like what we did before, so I wasn't expecting to like it all of a sudden now. And famously, I feel like these kinds of franchises needed to stay shorter than they did. And they just kept going with stuff because people like loved the second one or something. So they're just like, oh my God, more kind of like Friday the 13th. And they just keep going. And like, I really wish they had stopped. Yeah, you raise a good point here because this franchise for me has felt like one that gets worse the more it goes on. But here's the thing. Friday the 13th had a formula. It would release a movie and then they would just pretty quickly after that, make another movie and capitalize on it, right? This movie, they didn't even wait to see what the audience reaction would be to the second. They're just like, fuck it, this is fun, let's do it again! And that seems like a wild misstep to me. This is one where I loved so much the original Sleepaway Camp, and this is just a watered-down version of a watered-down version of Angela, from the second movie. And that was one of the biggest disappointments I had. I felt a great sense of meh and disappointment while watching this movie. And it's coming from the characters. It's coming from the directions that it tries to take with the story. It comes from the attempt to maybe be campy, but it's not leaning enough into camp for it to actually be funny or say something meaningful. It's just a big letdown. Oh, talk about disappointments. When I saw the kill count going into the movie, I got kind of excited because I was like, at least it's going to be interesting. But wow, were those kills disappointing. There's literally kills that landed as well as just like a subtle thud. That's about it as well as they, as they did them. I mean, like literally some of them were just a subtle thud and that's how characters died. But disappointment. I mean, if you're going to do like a ton of kills, make them interesting. At least make three of them different from each other somehow. There's like three in a row that are all the same kill and so boring, especially when you're doing them three and a half minutes apart. Spice it up a little bit, change it up or something. But man, I mean, this this could have been like a kill fest, just one after the other after the other in really cool and genius ways. And instead, it was just kind of like watching, I don't know, kids acting out a play and somebody filmed it. That's what it felt like. To me, it was very uh, boink, you're dead. Boink, 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 you know, <laughs> as if someone were doing like some sound effects in the background. You would think that would disappoint me. And it did. But my bigger disappointment was Angela, because I feel like Angela, you just get so much from the original and you get a different grown up Angela in number two. You get her excited about camp and then you get this like very different character flip for her. And I like that. I like that development for her for this movie, I've never seen a flat character that's supposed to be your main character like this. And I get these camp movies are supposed to be flat, but I was really hoping just to get a slight something from her other than what I did. Um, I would dare say that camp movies aren't supposed to be flat, but also, did you remember Urban Legend when our main character was the worst part of the movie and she was the definition of flat? That is also <laughs> true. I guess there could be multiple ones with flat characters as a main character. <laughs> What's really cute about this movie is 
they tell you who the killer is one second into the movie. So I, I don't even have to worry about spoiling anything when I talk about it. But I think the fact that you want me to believe that this is a year later and a bad wig and we no longer know who this person is. We no longer know her. We don't recognize her. You said you'll kill her when you meet her, when you see her again, but you don't recognize her. This movie is a lot of a mess. One of my biggest disappointments is, like Max said, the kills. But at the same time, there are interesting concepts. Like, this movie kind of exists in a space that requires a different level of kill to make it worth seeing, right? Because they're not uninteresting concepts, but it's just the ones that fall flat, fall so flat for the kills. And then the ones that are good, you're still wanting more because everything else sucks, basically. You need some blood. So the blood you got was the saving grace? Is that what you're saying? I just think... They didn't hit the mark that you have to hit for this movie, but another movie could have these kills and be a better movie overall. And it wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't hit it as hard. I see what you mean. I share a lot of these same sentiments, specifically with the kills. Some of them were so flat and like Mac was referring to, like back to back flat that I did laugh. There were certain things that were just so ineffective that they also made me laugh. Uh, and I was surprised that this movie wasn't as bad as I remembered it. Because in my mind, I was like, oh, that third one was shit. And I was watching and I was like, oh, but I'm entertained by this shit. And in no way, in no way was this movie scary whatsoever. I'm sorry. It's just like, there's no fear. I feel like the characters aren't even afraid in this movie. No, nothing was scary. The gore wasn't scary. The deaths weren't scary. The killer isn't scary. Her wig is scary. They don't even know someone's killing people. So they don't even have anything to be afraid of in this movie. There's one person that knows that something bad's happening. Yeah. We definitely have a front runner for wiggiest wig of the year. Oh, yes. Oh, my Ooh, God. How did I miss that? Well, there's two of them in this movie for wiggiest wig. I was going to say, I think it's the same wig. I mean, I would agree that this movie doesn't try to be scary, but it does try to lean into that camp direction. And this is something that I don't even think that the original Sleepaway Camp was particularly trying to scare the shit out of you, right? But the problem is it doesn't go hard enough in the right direction to compensate for not being scary. There are plenty of movies that we reviewed on this show that don't, you know, even tickle a sense of fear. But this one in particular, I think, try to go try to go into one direction and then it kind of changed course and just lost itself on the way there. So it makes the lack of fear much more worse in comparison. And I think what ultimately breaks it down even more is just how repetitive and redundant this feels from the second movie it feels like a hollow version of it it feels like a watered down version of the sequel because you got some one-liners you got a couple little punchy moments but largely it feels uninspired this movie feels like if you poured plain salsa water into an empty Lacroix can and then tried to pass that off as a new flavor so here's the thing about this movie I can tell you what happens in this movie and you will have missed nothing. You, there's, I could just be like, Hey, it's this scene and then this scene and then this scene. And me telling you is enough. You don't need to see it. You didn't miss anything. It's so shallow that there's, there's not even enough. Like, I don't even think it's enough to make the comparison that you made. I feel like this isn't even seltzer water. This is tap water in a LaCroix can. Like it's, 
there's just nothing here. No, I agree. There is nothing here. And Chris, you mentioned it and kind of hit the nail on the head for me is I felt like I was watching the second movie again, just a little bit shittier. I was like, were they all still sitting at this table? I feel deja vu. Like, I feel like I've watched this movie and may have already done the podcast. But nope, I am watching the third one. But it was, yeah, I just kept getting that vibe and I kept getting like a Friday the 13th. Like, it was just very, like, it did not feel original at all to me. Friday the 13th would be offended. It looks like it was trying to copy Friday the 13th, for sure. Sometimes Friday the 13th doesn't have anything, but you know what? I'm still entertained in those. I think what Chris said really resonates with me in that the sequel to Sleepaway Camp was so derivative from the original source material. And then this one deviates even further that you've really just created something completely unrelated to the original source. And I don't think the result is very original at all. I will say a couple of the kills are originals, but ultimately this movie, not very original, except for the fact that maybe we have a trans woman being the moral compass of sex, drugs, and all things related to that. I think that's an original concept. Derivative certainly is disappointing, Paris, but I think one of the other things that disappointed me was this ending. Because I think we had the moment where it tried to almost redeem itself and try to, in some ways, end with a bang. But it gave me instead the sense of, God, could it just be fucking over? Yeah, I mean, the film is a, like a, definitely a limp fish lay, for sure. And when we get to the end, it's it's no more satisfying than what came before it. It is... A very lackluster ending and it has more action. It has a little bit more action kind of built up with, with our main character, but not really in any kind of meaningful or satisfying way. I was going to say, if you're looking at this movie as a whole, it's probably the better part of the movie. But if you're comparing it to anything you've ever seen or just watch movies in general, you're like, all right, been there, done that. Um, uh, yeah, Chris, on to the next. I'm done. This movie doesn't need to last any longer. Just freaking end. Yeah. I'm like, actually kind of chill about the ending because honestly at that point it was just like how many minutes till this is done at least give me some kills you know so i didn't hate it maybe it maybe it is the best part of the movie the ending might be the ending was giving flop i got it confused with the ending from sleepaway camp 2 and it looked like that was about to happen i was like no that's definitely not what happens and then the way it ends i was like oh yeah that's That's how this one ends. And that's fine. Okay, so we can be here or there on the ending. But let's really see how this all ends up shaking out in our ratings. Now, before we actually score this movie, Alexis, how many people died? We had a total of 16 bodies in this movie. And what about the animal report? There's a little bit of sketchiness, but the animal report's mostly chill. All right, well, let's go ahead and get into our ratings then. Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland from 1989. Was it a hacker slash? So I watched this movie twice. This is the second time. The first time I did not like it, but I wanted to give it a second chance. You know, I'm a fan of the second one. I love campy movies, so I had to. I'm like, this has to be some sort of redeeming value because i remember not liking it but honestly this movie really didn't have a plot no likable characters not even angela and honestly no gore for 16 kills i'm so disappointed and we will talk more about it but that's just gonna be my uh score it is definitely getting a hack for me <laughs> the thing that i could use to best describe this movie is a reference to an old coworker of mine if you were to walk up to this coworker and tell them what you thought was a really funny joke they would have this response 
where they would just go, hmm, and then walk away. And that's how you would know that what you thought was hilarious was absolutely not funny whatsoever. It was just not interesting. They just didn't even want to be around you after you told it to them, and that's this movie. It's just bland. It's meh. The kills aren't interesting. The characters aren't interesting. They are complete caricatures, but not in like a funny way, not in like a deliberate horror comedy way, and that's really a missed opportunity here. I think this movie could have leaned more into being camp because honestly, it should be making fun of itself at this point, but it just didn't, it didn't land it. It wasn't able, it, that plane just kept flying. It never landed. It never crashed. It just kept flying. It was really boring. And that's, that's kind of sad. It could have taken things one direction or another to spice it up somehow, but no, we just ended up getting another hack. Mac, you bring up an important point and that is camp. And I am concerned. I know that there's going to be someone out here in the world, possibly Paris, which frightens me, that likes this movie and cites the word camp as their reason for why. And I will absolutely not accept anyone using the idea of camp as the explanation for this movie, because this movie sucks. And it, if, if this is campiness, campiness sucks. And if that's what you want, you can have it, but the movie sucks, okay? I, w- I don't want that excuse. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to, we're going to talk about it, but I don't want to talk about it because Paris is about to slash this and be like, it's so campy and cute and the girls were pretty and I'm going to fight him. So there's that. The other thing is like, there's so much absurdity in this movie. The number of boobs in this movie is so high that it's actually a negative instead of a positive, which is such a rare occurrence. And I don't like it. I don't want to be here to tell you that, but like, it's too much boob. And then there's just like the use of, of slurs, but like equal opportunity for all the slurs. Like they didn't just pick one thing to, to be horrific about. They chose different demographics based on, uh, on money, based on race, based on all kinds of different things. And it's just, it's just chaos. This movie is absurd. And it is truly one of the movies that I'm like, I hope someone enjoys listening to this because I'm sad that we all had to watch this. Okay. I don't like it. It's a hack. Once again, Ryan, not quite understanding camp. Ryan, I don't think this movie is particularly camp. I agree. This movie is bad. It's objectively bad. But you're you're still going to slash it. But I enjoy it. The kills are so nonchalant and floppy that like, I laughed. I was entertained. I had a good time. I know it's problematic, but a trans woman being this pillar of morality and just murdering people for the most minor infringements or inconveniences, that to me is great. And I love it. I was just thinking to myself as y'all were slashing, I was like, or as y'all were hacking, I was like, they should definitely remake Sleepaway Camp, but how would they do it in a way that could be done today? And I was like, wait, is that what they slash them is going to be? Do we think that that's maybe the direction they're taking this in? I don't know. I'm super excited to watch it. Um, but yeah, this movie was entertaining to me. It is objectively bad. And I did enjoy it. And it is a slash from me. So here's the thing. I could buy that logic, Paris, from Sleepaway Camp 2. I can get it. This one, though, is a complete mockery of what even the second tried to be. I wasn't a fan of the second. I hacked it. This movie is so much further away from what can be good about Sleepaway Camp. It somehow takes some concepts that are already problematic and then says fuck it let's add some more problems to it and it doesn't do so with reverence it doesn't do so with a good taste in its mouth it doesn't do so to like set out and really make a statement that could be positive about anything and it doesn't even really get the charm of the 80s that could have you say 
Well, things were just different back then. And aren't you so glad that we've made so much progress? No, this shit just feels bad every step of the way. This movie doesn't lean far enough into camp to be entertaining. This movie has two things that I can compliment it for and only two, but we'll get there in the second half. This movie is a hack. And had we not watched Bunny Man, it might be the worst movie I've seen this year. Wow. Definitely the worst in the series, hands down. Well, there's only three. There's not like, there's just two more. No, there's four. There's four. Oh, there's four. Okay. The series of life? Yes. I still won't be able to find four. Yeah, you won't be able to. It's not widely available. Because it's so bad. Which makes me want it more. It'll make you want it more in Paris, but I promise you, even if you like this, you are probably not going to like the direction that that goes. I've, no, I say that, and then you're going to like spite me just to just to prove me wrong. This movie, though, Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland from 1989, you can find available for free on Pluto with ads, and apparently you can pay $6 to watch it twice like Alexis did. But for now, it's earned four hacks and one single slash from Paris. Now, we want to know what you think on this, so pause, go check it out, or do some homework, do some research, then join us in the second half so we can all share our hatred together. We'll see you in a bit. Are you falling victim to rising formula costs? Have all the boys recently been visiting your yard? Are you sick of driving to Dairy Queen for those thick, creamy blizzards. I'm Lactasia Monroe, the founder and fountain of Mammary Milkshakes. I am the original Dairy Queen. If you enjoy an all-natural, sweet tea, free from animal cruelty, our Mammary Milkshakes are for you. They are smooth, creamy, and always dreamy. These protein-rich milkshakes are proof that you can have your shake and eat it too. Mammary Milkshakes. Get your milk from these coconuts. Welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for Sleepaway Camp 3 Teenage Wasteland, which has earned four hacks and one slash. Now, we have a lot to get to here, but before we get into the specifics of our ratings and how this movie profoundly disappointed us, we had the matter of gore to attend to. Surprisingly, with 16 deaths, there is a low gore and i'm disappointed to say the least how are you gonna mow somebody's head off and not have gore no the visuals are horrible how are you gonna smack someone with a tree branch and play the same noise from the tree branch every single time (laughs) over and over I will give this movie credit for uh, essentially having very cool kills if you could see them. Like if you like very interesting ones. Yes, conceptually the kill content is there. Visually the kill content is not there. It's not there. So unfortunately you guys do have to pick your favorite kill this week, whether it be the lamest or the best. You choose. We go right off the bat with Tawny Richards tracing to ingesting cleaning chemicals. Uh, that was fantastic, only because it was preceded by one of my favorite moments, which was uh, her asking Angela where she could get some Coke, and Angela basically confusing it with actual Coca-Cola, which had so much product placement in this movie, and uh, there just being a, a disconnect between the two. It was horrible. It was not great. Please don't a, say it was great. That was a perfect <laughs> one-liner or two-liners. Perfect if you're four, it was funny. Like, it, if you're a child and it's a cartoon, it's funny. Listen, the disparity. This was the kind of kill this movie needed. I'm cool with the kill. 
it's the one line nonsense about a Coke machine. Like, get out of my face. No, like, you, no, you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. You know, what, where can I score? Like, what are you on about? Well, I mean, that was up there, right? Like, it was a top kill, but I think a firecracker in the face, like, that one was a good one. Cause we actually got a disfigured face right afterwards. I feel like we've seen that kill before, though. Mm, I mean, probably. I'm sure we have. But in this one, like, raid, you know, come on. We've got kills where we get a Flintstones, like, bat to the back of the head very lightly. This one was up there in this film. Yeah. I just want to point out for listeners that we have a list of them that we put together before the episode. And on several of these, it just says, beaten lazily with a tree branch, (laughs) which is a hilarious way to describe someone's death. But of course, those aren't my favorite kills. Those were probably the worst kills. My favorite is definitely the flagpole, the flagpole drop. One, because it gave big wedgie energy at the beginning, which I thought was hilarious. And it felt like it might be like a fun ride, you know? And then of course, we do at least like see a a plummet. I wouldn't say we get to see like the after effects, but we see a plummet to the ground, which was something more than some other kills. I'm just not buying the physics of it because Angela is a bit scrawny and I couldn't even get a 25 pound sandbag on my roof by like pulling it up with a rope. And I just don't think (laughs) this was very practical. Okay. Physics do say that pulleys mean you can pull up more than you can hold. Okay. So the pulley system does help. Okay. It's leverage. Comma, however, that definitely needed some WD-40. And I know that that flagpole has been there for 5,000 years. So I'm sure you're correct about the physics of it all. Yeah, that just didn't seem like the best pulley system. It's designed for raising a flag, not a hundred plus pound human body. I mean, she was a grown woman playing a teenager. So um, she was light. Actually, also my favorite kill. It's the one that I remembered from this movie. It's probably the only thing I remembered rewatching this. Uh, but I just loved it because we get that like really rotted moment from Cindy just being like a bigoted bitch with bangs. And I was like, ugh. I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, kill her. And then Angela does. And I was like, fantastic. And she even says, you're a bigot. And now you did. Was that a bam bitch went down moment? Well, that was literally a bam bitch went down moment by definition. Yeah, that is a great point. She did suck. I almost forgot how much she sucked, which made her death even better. So Cindy's death, along with Lily's, which is the lawnmower, was how the film was given an original X rating by the MPAA. I guess the MPAA representative told Michael Simpson, the director, that the women who screened this movie became physically ill, especially after watching Lily's death. The number of boobs wasn't an issue for these women. They had to throw up because of no no gore. But they were like, mm, don't <laughs> worry, we'll keep the milkers in. I did really like the Lily Lawnmower kill because of the originality of it. And I think Ryan Murphy probably did too because they reused that kill in the show Scream Queens. They basically, in an attempt to haze these sorority girls, they bury them up to their heads in a lawn and then the killer comes and mows one of them uh, over except it was a ride mower so it was even more. i'd like to give an honorable mention to the swinging axes the twin swinging axe kill actually enjoyed that one that was actually like one of the best parts of the ending for me because it was uh quite abrupt and then he's just stuck there tied to them yeah that was a fun little booby trap so mine's pretty lame but it's gonna be officer whitmore's death and i think because he was talking to her because at this point he knows who angela is she's killed his son and he's like oh how are you gonna kill me and then just lists off these like weird ass ways she has killed people but she's like not i got a gun and just shoots him which i thought was brilliant of her it's like one of like my favorite sort of things about this movie is her one-liners specifically but you know this movie 
I'm missing a lot from the second movie, which is her just killing people back to back and having this like energy. And she didn't really have that energy in this movie. It was just like, oh, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to hit you with a, with some sort of like piece of stick. I don't even know. Like, you know, when you've been at a job for a little too long and when you started there, you were like super enthusiastic and really excited to show up to work every day. You took a lot of time getting ready. Like, I'm going to go in, make a good impression, do all the things, be a part, an active part of meetings. And then, and then you stay there for a few too many years. And then you roll up, you know, maybe 10 minutes late every day. You look like trash. You're tired. You don't participate in the meet, in the meetings. People ask you what your goals are at the job and you say to show up tomorrow. That's what this killer felt like. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, she did have some emotion. She was enthusiastic about being at camp and sleepaway camp too. Into she was excited. She's stoked to kill people. Now she's just like, God, I got to kill people again. Like I really have to walk around and kill all these people again. That's what it felt like, but not even in a fun way, just like in a not happy way. Like, oh, you talk. Up, oh, you said something. Up, oh, you're ding. You're dead. You're dead. You're dead. Yeah, I just, you know, they they were, it was so casual to me. Made me like her less in this movie, and made me like the movie less, especially that there was no blood. But interestingly enough, the script originally contained more elaborate deaths for the characters, which obviously changed because of budget reasons. So including Herman's death, where he was supposed to have this flaming poker shoved into his crotch with um, Angela proclaiming a weenie roast, which I would have loved this. I would have loved. Okay, that would have been camp. Agreed. That would have been total camp. It does sound fun, but this movie didn't need more elaborate kills. This movie needed a more elaborate story. But we have kills. We need something else. <laughs> but that would have added to camp, which probably would have made this movie better. And it's really cool because I did look on some deleted scenes and i'll drop those in the show notes but they were gorier and i wish they would have kept that in because that would have gave this movie a little bit of edge you know if you're not going to stay true to the original or the second or anything in this franchise i mean just give it something different give it some gore give us something and they didn't give us much i think all good things were ruined by the mpaa in the 80s basically so i have i have a i have a like a visual that's part of a kill Right. That the kill itself is whatever, but the visual that I like was like the massive dump truck barreling down the street, chasing Maria, apparently, uh, Miss Milkshake, um, just like chasing her down the street and then like swerving and everyone watching down the street. It was in the most New York moment they could possibly capture is people just looking down the street as this massive dump truck is chasing someone to their death. And they're just thinking like, please don't mess up like my walk to work, like get out of the way. I, I just, for some reason, I love that because they didn't seem to react in a way that was just like, oh my God, this dump truck's going to kill this girl. They're just kind of like, I don't know what y'all doing, like what's happening. And then of course it, it ends up smashing into her at the end in the most ridiculous way. Um, but there's something about being chased by a drum, like by a dump truck that is just hilarious. Oh, I thought you were going to say that you could like understand or have been in that situation. Well, first of all, go sideways. <laughs> Somehow, Mac, you've managed to steal what I was going to use as my visual element. Uh, here because uh i'm not gonna lie this movie's pretty ugly it's just a bunch of people in the woods that look like trash buildings that we've already been into and nobody cares about and like a set of tents that people are mostly naked in the whole time so honestly visually this movie is very unappealing for me it doesn't fuel me i mean if you want to see a really bad wig twice on two different people 
there's that, but there's not much. I did really enjoy the beginning scene and even like all the way into like stuff in the body into the dump truck, like that whole, that whole bit was like actually kind of a good start to this movie. I mean, you didn't enjoy one half of Penn and Teller with the Playboy uh, belt buckle on it, you know? How was it your thing? I'm happy y'all paid attention this hard to this movie. Well, I did. And you all have touched on the two visuals that I like the most of this movie because there's not a lot to choose from. But in the opening scene, just that close-up shot on the girl's tits and it says milkshake. I was like, that frame alone is on somebody's Tumblr somewhere. And I would hit reblog. And then the close-up shot of the Playboy belt buckle as the denim fly is being unbuttoned. Like, if you completely remove that from the person it's attached to because that man was disgusting, that alone is a little bit of a vibe and it was a it was a good shot the playboy bunny was really just such a different thing in this time it's it's honestly as you watch this it's kind of funny to like think about it for a moment like hmm now people just wear it it means literally nothing but it was like a thing it was like the pinnacle of horny men (laughs) it started becoming a thing i feel like when the girls put the tattoo thing on before you went tanning because i was like i don't think i'm allowed to do that and then it became a thing after that. That was in our day. But it's it's meant a lot of things and been a big thing for a long time. I feel like Playboy got the most product placement right behind Coca-Cola in this movie. <laughs> Very true. Next to those trash-ass forests and trees, Ryan, is this immaculate lake that i have to say is very camp for this camp and i appreciated it and it was just giving me friday the 13th vibe so yes the visual in this movie reminded me of another movie which i appreciated so here's the thing though my favorite part of this movie visually is actually a moment where we get to the lake and she fishes out the mask from the dead camper in the previous movie that's the hockey mask and the joke is asking about the date which is saturday the 14th the day after friday the 13th so in canon now see boy camp 2 happens on friday the 13th and probably thursday the 12th wednesday the 11th tuesday the 10th you know, so on and so forth. Chris, that was also my favorite scene. And also them just camping are my favorite scenes. I don't really have one, but I love the mass drop in this. It was like a nod to the second. And that's the only thing I can give this movie. There's something that's kind of, I don't know, entertaining about Angela losing it, having to be like the mom around the other campers when they're just trying to camp successfully. And like, I'll be the one that has to like gut the fish or I'll be the one that has to like put this together or that together. Like that part was really entertaining because it, I don't know, it shows her as a person, whereas the rest of the movie is just her going kabong with a, with a tree limb. Um, but like when she's judging them hardcore and how lazy they are, that part, like I understand. Like lazy people can can be really annoying when you're trying to achieve a goal and you're supposed to be doing this as a team because sharing is caring and that's the point of this camp. But like them being like, oh, I don't want to do that. Ew. And then she's like, oh, fine, I'll take care of it. Like that's that. Those are my favorite scenes was when they're just trying to camp and she has to teach them how. So I think my favorite scene is actually one that I think we could say is campy. Okay, hear me out. When we have Riff kicking in the tent for like so long and the whole like music thing is just over and over and over again happening. And then she throws a tape into the tent and he's just like, I'll just turn off the music that I've been listening to and I'll just play this tape that just popped out of nowhere. Angela's hot mixtape. It's like spoken word into his death. You know, that was one scene where I'm like, okay, I get the, I get the chaos of it. This is supposed to be funny. It was a little funny. He was a little funny. That's the best I have for a favorite scene. (laughs) 
<laughs> I am impressed that you had the generosity in your soul to find that even close to being part of like a favorite scene because it's one of the worst parts of the movie for me. The whole movie sucks so much. It at least was funny. Uh, so my favorite scene is a scene that the first time I watched this movie, I was like, boring, flop, skip. And it's because I had just watched Sleepaway Camp 1 and 2. And it's the long exact footage flashback from Sleepaway Camp 2 of her singing uh, I'm Such a Happy Camper and having like the best camper badge on. And I won't go as far as to claim that this was the intention of the movie at all, because I don't think this movie had any intention whatsoever going into it. But I couldn't help but think of the trans experience and how she was longing for a life that she knows she'll never have as just like a happy camper. And I am totally projecting my own experience onto this, but I was like moved by that scene in a way I wasn't anticipating this time around. Not you pulling a Chris Rojas right now (laughs) and making a deep moment. I know. And I, like I said, I don't think the movie intended to do this in any way. That is just how it hit me today. I'll give you a 6.7 on that landing. (laughs) I'm glad you felt something, Paris, because I didn't feel anything except dread. Okay. Well, I can, I think... If you want to go deep for just one brief moment, one of the things that from the opening line, you have Maria, who is listening to her mom fight with another relative in their New York City apartment. And she's like, I'm going to camp today. And I mean, I might not come back. And it's like, oh, shit. But you really are going to walk out of that door and die. Like you really are leaving and the people around you don't know that yet. And that's that's a real big bummer. That's really grim. Paris, you mentioned these flashbacks and it's interesting because I had a different takeaway. I thought they were trying to add depth to Angela by doing those because I for a second they caught me off guard. I'm like, oh, she she became this like troubled person throughout this movie because I was getting those flashbacks in real time this whole movie she's just been flat so you know but it has this contrast where I see her from sleepaway camp too and I'm like wow she's so bubbly she loves this camp atmosphere she's she's really like happy and then you see the demise of Angela in the second one and then this one it's just she's just level all the time and I just can't back that and I and I hate the camp I hate the campers I hate the counselors more than anything the flashback goodness it just made me think about how good her hair looked in the second film yeah I missed it I was like god damn this wig I know we're talking about favorite scenes. But I, I think we need to take a moment here to address the worst part of this movie before we have to unfortunately say best parts. And it's the incessant, intentional, specific, and uh, overbearing use of slurs for people for no reason. And then the, 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 we're, we're bringing poor people and people who have money and putting them at camp together to, to mix them up. <laughs> like, what are you on about? And why are you on about it? Because it's not like these things were addressed. It's like they were like, it's like they were like advertised. Like it, this was, we didn't fix anything. We didn't talk about anything. We didn't learn anything. They were just like, dude, we're racist. Have you seen us? <laughs> yeah, Ryan. And that's the bigger problem, right? All the characters in this movie suck. 
I don't think there's a single really truly redeemable one. And when you look at the even the attentions of the people who are putting together the camp, they're scamming people. They're getting paid by the government to bring in people from lower incomes or or uh, what they described as like underprivileged areas or they're charging obscene prices to uh to kids who are from uh you know, well-to-do families and the whole approach and like the the intent to have a mix of like socioeconomic backgrounds or to bring different cultures and 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 races or different walks of life into one common experience it didn't even go two steps really in the right direction to justify any of the fucking nonsense in this movie and the vicious use of slurs like sometimes those things are used in movies and it dates it and it cements it within its time this movie it was it was just completely fucking unnecessary there were caricatures as you said i feel like you know in most movies there's like maybe someone that is this way or something right and that's usually what dates it i I won't believe that this is what a group of humans in 1989 in this setting would say to each other I, i just won't believe it like even the people who are in minority groups are horrible to other people in other minority groups in this movie like it's just so bad and it's a little bad and then gets worse and worse and you're just like all right cool we're just why are we watching this it's bad like maybe one of the worst sets of like just use of slurs that we've seen in a movie i would totally agree with that it was definitely that they wanted cindy to give us gran torino vibes 100 percent. they're like what if old white people were a 17 year old white girl and that was cindy just every slur she could think of <laughs> in gran torino they the, the old white men are talking to each other and to call each other names based on all sorts of backgrounds. And they're like, no kid, it's okay to do this. Like we're fine with it to offend each other. Cause we can deal with it. Cause we're men. And, and it seemed like that's what Cindy grew up with was just like, just call everyone a slur. And that's how you treat them equally because that's what she did constantly. And in front of people without even like, I don't know, her facial expression didn't even change. She was like, I'm just going to use the hard R here and think nothing of it because that's what my parents did. Yeah. It was terrible. I think uh, even aside from that, I don't see what you could like about any of these characters. Some of them have funny moments you know like we were talking about riff but none of them are good characters none of them have a good story none of them say anything important or relevant or necessary none of them say anything that you'll ever miss if you don't hear it yeah generally characters are fully unredeemable even angela i had a hard time like getting behind because yeah she's still trying to like protect that camp experience but like at this point it's kind of just off the rails and it's like oh your motivation isn't quite as sturdy as it was for the last movie and then It was interesting that she was like, okay, you two are a cute couple. I'm going to let you live. And like that was her growing or being nice or something. Because at the end, like when they stab her in the stomach with the axe, she's like, you know, you're trying to do something nice for somebody. And I was like, but like, why? What was like, what moment happened that made you be like, these two deserve to live? It didn't really feel earned and it didn't make a lot of sense. So the characters were definitely giving flop in this movie. Uh, Having given this a slash, I do have to say worst part, not hard. The movie is bad. I think the worst part is how, like Alexis was saying, I feel like they filmed a lot more of the kills than we got to see because it always felt like they cut away from like a large blood splatter. And I'm like, where's the footage of the blood splatter? Like show me the actual kills. But the way we got like no satisfying like kills, we kind of got 
uh, Lily decapitated for like a split second with like maggots coming out of her neck stump. But at that point, I'm like, what, you buried the bitch and then you dug her back up to put her in a lawn chair just for this gag? I don't know. But the lack of kills was definitely the worst part for me. That was feeling very Mrs. Voorhees. And I will say that the best part of this movie is, again, just that subtle tie to Friday the 13th. I, I told you I only had two compliments to this movie and they were both connected. So there you have it. Is there a best part to this movie? I've had to ask myself this question this entire time and i can't really think of one like like good job on the boost yeah i guess that's kind of the only thing i could think of i like a few of the one-liners in the comedy i mean i had to pick and choose what i like though jokes about angela throughout the movie being old i thought were funny because like yeah she is old and no one's catching on like or even like you all mentioned how do they not know this existed it's only a year later but i love all the ohio references i feel like there's two of them um i was a big fan of them so any movie that has ohio references i will take how did the cop not recognize her uh, again we're talking about she's there a year later yeah and everyone's like oh my god you're in a wig who are you well, they went through that whole stretch and that all that effort to make sure that they state that no one has pictures of her. No one knows what she looks like. So, Alexis, you bring up a good point about Ohio. And the best that I can do for this movie is an ironic best part. And it is the fact that Tony thinks he's going to have sex with a girl. So he, one, feeds into her stereotypes of him. And then two is like, we're going to have sex. I'm moving to Ohio. And like, that's hysterical. Because if you're moving to Ohio, because you're going to have sex with a girl, bless your little heart. And we're going to be together forever. And we're going to be together forever. He's like, I mean, it's never clear that he's playing her, but everything he says is he's playing her. He's literally like, yeah, we're all in gangs. (laughs) (laughs) This is not going to Ohio for sex. This is being somewhere else, meeting a girl from Ohio, her saying, if we're going to have sex, you have to wear a condom. And then you saying, I'm moving to Ohio. As if anything about this sold Ohio to you. <laughs> Nothing would sell Ohio to you but sex, probably. Exactly. And and I will stand by. I think he's playing her the whole time. And I'd like, if there's a fourth one that we could see somewhere, which I'm sure you guys will torture me with at some point, he better be like, oh, yeah, I left her on the side of the road because he's playing her the whole time. Can I can I change my answer on best part of the movie now? Because I think my new favorite best part when I think about it is the fact that she turns around and is like, oh, I have a boyfriend. <laughs> After all of that, yeah. that honestly, that is now the best part of the movie to oh, me. Oh, yeah, you're right. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, they're a hot mess. That is the best part of this movie is them two playing each other. That's exactly what it is. This That's the best part. Is that what happens at camp? Yeah, <laughs> I'm actually pretty sure it is. So as far as rewatchability goes, it's giving no, right? It's giving hard no. Never again will I will I bother to view this. It's giving like this is now my barometer for how bad a movie is. Like how bad is it? You know, like what level of bad are we at? Is it giving Halloween two or is it giving Sleepaway Camp three? Let me know, okay? Yeah, this is this is definitely an unwatch movie, let alone a rewatch movie. But if somehow it's on in the background, it's an easy background watch for me. But I'm not going out of my way. Definitely not watching this again. Paris, this movie makes no sense. I never want to watch it again. It's a slash. Mm-hmm. I had fun, but I had more fun with the second one. Well, clearly we want to leave this film buried in the past, even the one person who slashed it. But before we bury it in the ground, Mac, let's see what you have for factor fiction. Number one. 
Many of the characters in this movie got their names from the Jetsons, the Flintstones, and Happy Days. Fact, I don't know. I'm going to say fiction. None of those names, I think, were in this movie. Yeah, Robbie Stark. Don't know who that is, but that's someone on here. Um, Fiction. This is a fiction. However, many of them did get their names from West Side Story, the Brady Bunch, and the Munsters. Some notable ones, Greg, Marsha, Peter, Jan, Bobby, and Cindy. Killer people names. Yes, but like deliberately, you know, from the Brady Bunch. Did not pick up on that at all. Well, number two. The reporter's red Ferrari became an expensive prop in the film as it was a rental and spots of fake blood stained the interior. I think fiction, someone owned this car and used it in the film. I'm going to say fact. I'm with Ryan. That's exactly what I was thinking. Fiction. This is a fiction. However, it was an expensive rental and only the director was allowed to drive it. They also had to protect it constantly from any fake blood because, you know, budgets. To be fair, technically only the person that rents a car is supposed to drive it anyway you know this is regular rental policy number three riff was originally scripted to spit on cindy but riff's actor daryl wilcher didn't feel comfortable doing it i'm hoping this is a fact nothing in this movie gives me i didn't feel comfortable doing that vibe so i think i'll go fiction i'm thinking fact too i think because i want this to be true this is a fact even though kim wall who played cindy was apparently cool with getting spit on he didn't want to do it so that's how you get a bowl of oatmeal to the face it's just like Please spit on me. (laughs) He's like, I can't. And number four, the film subtitled Teenage Wasteland came from a 1985 Rolling Stone article about the prevalence of serious drug use in 80s teen circles. Total fact. I'm going to say fiction because I hate the subtitle of this movie. And I feel like it's just like very meh and kind of like throwaway. Maybe they, I don't know, didn't think about it a lot. I don't know. I'm going to say fiction because I think it was a song, wasn't it? It is a fiction because it was from a song, Baba O'Reilly from The Who. And I'm so disappointed that the two of you just don't remember how that song goes. Like there's a, there's that hook. Teenage Wasteland. I watched whatever show that was the, the, the intro music for. Yes. So that was one of the director's favorite songs. And that's where the subtitle of this movie came from. And that's been Factor Fiction. Well, there you have it, folks. Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland has earned four hacks and one slash. Now, we've certainly had a lot to talk about here, but it doesn't end here by any means. We want to know what you think. Did you think this movie was objectively bad and yet you still love it? Or did you side with the majority of us who hated it? Let us know. You can join in on the conversation for free by hanging out with us in our Discord. You can click the link in our show notes to sign up. For the record, I never said loved. If you've enjoyed <laughs> listening to this episode, consider becoming one of our patrons. Visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to enjoy more of the show with early access, extended episodes, bonus content, and live shows. We'll see you next time, folks. And remember, one of the many dangers of being a drug addict is never really knowing if the stuff is pure. Bye. Bye.